Hello, and welcome once again to another episode of the TriDoc Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sankoff, the TriDoc, an emergency physician and multiple Ironman finisher coming to you from beautiful, sunny Denver, Colorado. It's a new year, and indeed a new decade, and this is the time when gyms tend to be overrun with people who have made resolutions to make this year, finally, the time to do something about themselves and get in shape and become the person they hope to be. I know that it won't be news to any of you that the vast majority of these folks won't make it past January, and during that time, many of us who have made it a lifestyle to be fit and are pursuing goals such as triathlon will no doubt be inconvenienced by crowds at the gym and the many folks who simply don't know what they're doing. Usually, I don't pay a lot of heed to these folks so long as they aren't taking up my lane in the pool doing side stroke because I recognize that most won't last and for the most part, I'm no more than maybe a little amused by some of the cluelessness that I see. But friend of the podcast, Heath Dodson, posted something to his social media recently that gave me pause. He wrote that this is the time of year he sees quite a few people out jogging or running or cycling in their new kit and some obviously looking like it's their first time. He also hears some negative comments towards these new athletes. But, he says, what we really should be doing is to encourage people to move, now more than ever. So good job, he says. I see you, keep it up, and I hope you become the best version of yourself that you want to be. Now, I think that this is a great perspective, and one that I have embraced wholeheartedly. For example, this January, I'm working with friend and fellow coach Bill Luddington to put on a seminar for potential new triathletes called So You Want to Do a Triathlon. We hope to introduce the sport to a few folks and dispel the myths and fears they may have that kept them from getting involved before. Similarly, I'm going to make it a point to give kudos to any newbie-looking folks I encounter at my gym and to offer assistance in any way that I can to help them succeed. I hope that you will all consider doing the same. We all started somewhere. And while we know that January isn't really the best time to see those who are going to succeed long term, with words of encouragement, you just never know if you might give them the power to do so. Look, none of us were born with our Melton leather jackets. We earn them by starting at the bottom and putting in the hours to get where we are today. All of us had mentors and received encouragement from someone. Now let's be that someone for those folks when they need it most. Thanks to Heath Dodson for the great post. And if you know of anyone who would be interested in the introduction to triathlon seminar to be held in Denver on January 22nd, you can find information on my TriDoc Coaching Facebook page, as well as in the show notes, where I'll put a link. On the show today, I continue my exploration of the issues and controversies raised by the Netflix documentary The Game Changers. Joining me today is Daniel Renches, an athlete and coach who embraced a plant-based lifestyle many years ago and has had great success both with his health and athletic pursuits as a consequence. Daniel is known as the Vegan Powered Athlete and has a website devoted to his exploits. He joins me today to talk about his motivation for going plant-based, his journey in doing so, and why he feels that the Game Changers got more right than wrong. Reels for Wheels has two new suggestions for you for movies to watch on the trainer, another film from China, and for the first time, a selection from the Marvel Comics universe. Of course, before all of that, I have a medical question to answer. Many of you may have encountered a new product flooding your social media feed with advertisements. The Stamina Pro advertises itself to be an active recovery patch to be used on sore muscles during and after working out. What is it? Does it work? And if so, how? And of course, most importantly, should you consider this for yourself? I take a bit of a dive into all of this, coming up right now.
If you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, then you've heard me investigate various recovery aids that are out there being marketed to triathletes. From compression wear to cold therapy to pneumatic compression garments and beyond, I have looked at a number of recovery aids, and to date, none have come close to delivering on the promises being made in promotional materials. Today, I'm going to look at the latest example of a product being marketed as a recovery aid. The Stamina Pro might be a name you recognize from their very aggressive social media advertising campaign over the past couple of months. The product is an adhesive patch impregnated with more than 200 natural products known or purported to decrease inflammation. The Stamina Pro differs from other recovery products, though, in that it claims to enhance recovery while you exercise. In their words, Stamina Pro allows you to treat injuries with their patch so that you can continue to exercise and not need to take any time off. Quote, instead of taking time away from practice or competition to let nagging injuries like a sore muscle or tendonitis rest and recover, you can put the patches on to help the problem area recover while training or competing. Active recovery, end quote. And those last two words are in all caps. Now, this sounds truly fantastic, and their website has the anticipated high-tech looking graphics and professional athlete testimonials to go with it. However, as you have likely learned from this podcast, the slickness of a website rarely predicts the efficacy of the product advertised on it. And given the way that some professional athletes will shill for products that they have no idea how they work, even when there is plenty of evidence that they don't, then I think you can guess how much value to ascribe to such testimonials. The problem for Stamina Pro and its makers are that they have zero science to back up their claims, and so testimonials are really all they can rely on. One of the main reasons that Stamina Pro has not been investigated in any meaningful way likely has to do with the very clearly non-science background and belief systems of the makers of the product. For example, they have a bunch of thermographic pictures on the website that ostensibly demonstrate how the Stamina Pro reduces inflammation. They show a before picture of a part of the body looking all red and hot, and then in an after photo, the same body part in cool blue. Now, this is somewhat problematic. The reason being that thermography is not really an accepted scientific means for measuring inflammation. Thermography has been looked at over the years as a means of assessing inflammation, and in some studies it has been shown to be useful as a sort of guide, but repeatedly, studies have shown that thermographic imaging is simply too easily influenced by other factors, and so it can't be used to give a good representation of the level of inflammation. Under the How It Works tab of the Stamina Pro website is the following. Quote, Stamina Pro patches use energy medicine technology to deliver the power of more than 200 natural constituents known to reduce inflammation, end quote. Now, this statement left me with two important questions. First, why do they need to put more than 200 chemicals in this patch for it to work? And second, what is energy medicine technology? Let's start with the first question as to why so many chemicals are needed to accomplish the anti-inflammatory effect that the Stamina Pro is aiming for. Although they don't provide a list of all of the ingredients, some of the plant-based derivatives are highlighted, like arnica, beetroot, boswellia, and turmeric. Others are much more vague, such as adaptogens, activators, and enzymes, and still more are known to actually be complete rubbish, like vitamin D, hops, or green tea extract. A small number of these, like arnica and boswellia, for example, have actually been studied scientifically, and actually shown to be beneficial for some people. 
In some studies, these agents have been shown to be as effective as traditional pharmacotherapeutics like NSAIDs, though most of the time these extracts are compared only to placebo, so it's not really clear if they're as good as traditional drugs or not. Most of these things, though, are either inactive ingredients or chemicals that have been shown to have no effect whatsoever. So putting 200 chemicals in this patch increases the likelihood that one of them might actually have a positive effect, but given the low concentrations of each individual component, it's pretty unlikely. Another reason they're packing these patches with so much stuff is because they're trying really hard to not be an actual medicinal product. If this patch contained any actual drug that had been shown to actually work, then the Stamina Pro would be considered a drug per se, and be under all of the regulations related to advertising and product quality controls that drugs are. By keeping their product as a natural product, Stamina Pro is under no such regulatory scrutiny so they are free to make some pretty outrageous claims and not to have their products tested for purity, chemical concentrations, or to have to actually study their patch and show that it works, or more importantly, that it isn't dangerous. With more than 200 chemicals in a small patch, there would be no issues related to purity and lack of contamination. The Stamina Pro is basically the definition of contamination. However, there is an unintended problem caused by having such a cocktail in this patch. In order to get through the skin, transdermal patches have to have a reasonable concentration of the chemical within it to overcome the impervious nature of skin. With so many components in the patch, it's questionable if any of them could be in high enough concentrations to actually be absorbed in any meaningful way. The second question is a little tougher to answer succinctly. Basically, energy medicine technology refers to the idea that we have biophysical energy fields that are within all of us, and that these fields become disrupted either as a result of or as a cause of injury and illness. Now, Stamina Pro says on its website that, quote, electrons are imprinted into the patch and work naturally with your body's own electric field to activate the innate natural healing energies that relieve pain and restore balance, end quote. Look, this sounds fantastic, but to me, mostly it sounds fantastical. I get that there are a lot of people who subscribe to this notion of illness and healing, and, and that's fine. But until I see some hard science that proves that the electrons in this patch do what its maker says it does, I'm just not buying it. I mean that both literally and figuratively. So getting back to the Stamina Pro and the claims that are being made, the main issue I have with them is the continuous references to reducing inflammation, optimizing performance, and improving recovery in the complete absence of any evidence. As I said before, these folks can make all the claims they want because they're a natural product and they don't have to do any science to prove it, and that's really what gets to me. Does the Stamina Pro do any of what its makers claim, and with the zero side effects as they suggest? Well, to that I would say that the only products without side effects are the ones without effects in the first place. So there's that to ponder. Then there's the whole Mikey likes it issue. All those testimonials by pro athletes amount to a hill of beans because they're essentially the paid endorsements from people who may or may not have had positive experiences with the product. And any positive experiences might have been limited to or directly related to the fact that money exchanged hands between the manufacturer and the athlete making the endorsement. At $50 to $150 per box of patches, I'd say that the Stamina Pro is not at all worth your money. If you're really looking for an anti-inflammatory patch to use while training or racing, there are plenty of other options to consider that have actual medicine that actually give anti-inflammatory effects in them, and probably have some electrons as well. Do you have a question for me to consider answering on the show? Well, email it to me. 
at tri underscore doc at icloud.com. For my regular interview segment of the podcast, I'm going to continue with my series taking a deeper dive into some of the questions raised by the Netflix documentary, The Game Changers. If you haven't seen the film or heard the first interviews in this series, I'd urge you to do so, though it isn't necessary before listening to this one, as each of the interviews can stand on their own. Daniel Renches is a plant-based athlete who has completed 50-plus endurance events. He is a 14-time Ironman and an Ironman 70.3 finisher with a sub-five-hour finish to his name. In 2019, he became an Ironman certified coach, a certified vegan lifestyle coach, an educator from Main Street Vegan Academy, and certified in plant-based nutrition from eCornell and the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutritional Studies. He's been vegan for almost seven years and is the founder of the vegan lifestyle brand, Vegan Powered Athlete. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Uh, in, in your view, Daniel, what, what did Game Changers get right and what do you think they get wrong? I, I personally loved the movie. I thought they pretty much nailed all the big aspects, the big questions about a plant-based diet. You know, I, I know you had said that you thought it was one-sided, and I think, yes, the, the, the movie, the goal was to push a plant-based diet. So, you know, but the dairy and meat industries have been one-sided for decades and go to great lengths to cover up the truth. So I think the biggest dispute I've seen out there is about the gladiators, whether or not they were plant-based or not. You know, there's a lot of history and science out there to support this. But, you know, bottom line, who really cares if they're vegan or not? I mean, I don't I don't care. I, you know, I choose to be vegan for other reasons. It's not going to sway me one way or another. But, you know, I think it's well documented now that you can thrive and do better on a plant-based diet. Game Changers had a ton of evidence linked at the end of the movie, probably – more evidence-based than any other documentary out there. You know, people are going to nitpick it. And bottom line, the evidence is there. So I, I really don't debate people on it. You know, they're going to see it when they want to see it. So, I mean, I really, I mean, that's my opinion. I think Game Changers really nailed it. You mentioned that, you know, everybody has their own motivation. I'm interested, what was yours? What was your motivation for becoming vegan? My original motivation was for health concerns. Um, my mother passed away from heart disease at a young age. She was 58, had a massive heart attack. Um, and then when I went and saw my doctor that same year, he said, I'm headed down the same path. I had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. He wanted to put me on medication that I'd have to be on for the rest of my life. And, you know, at that time, I chose to look for an alternative way. And I didn't know what vegan was at that time, you know, plant-based the terminology, plant-based wasn't really around back then. But all I knew was I had to get my cholesterol down and there's cholesterol in all animal products. So I went home that day and basically cleared out my cabinets, my fridge, anything that had cholesterol in it. And that was all the animal products. Hmm. So, you know, it just, for me, it kind of happened overnight because of what my doctor had said. Um, I, I got to tell you, as a physician, I wish more people listened like that. <laughs> I, I say things over and over again, and I know nobody's listening. So you're, you're a model patient. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he had any intention of me going plant-based. 
Well, I know he didn't have an intention for me going plant-based. He just said, you know what? I'm going to give you three months, get down your cholesterol, do what you can, get active, whatever, um, you know, and then come back to me and we'll see. And, you know, I cut everything out and at the same time. I wasn't an athlete prior to that. So that's when I became an athlete as well. I cut everything out and then, you know, decided, well, maybe I can start running. And I started running and then there was a half marathon about three months later. So about the same time I was supposed to go to back to the doctor. So I trained for my first half marathon in three months. I was 40 years old when I did my first half marathon. Went back to the doctor and everything went down. My cholesterol went down. My blood pressure went down. He was shocked. He was like, what the hell did you do? And, you know, I just told him I cut out all the cholesterol. I went plant-based. So he was shocked and was like, well, just keep doing what you're doing. Have a good day. <laughs> Set me on my way. <laughs> That's great. Many meat eaters see being vegan as almost a political statement or something associated with almost, uh, I mean, a radical threat to a, quote, normal, end quote, lifestyle. What's your take on the whole vegan lifestyle? My vegan journey has evolved, and I think any, I think everybody kind of goes through this phase when they first become vegan because they feel great and they want to spread the word and they want to push it on their friends and push it on their family. And I think that's where veganism gets a really bad rap is because people just like shove it down your throat. And I went through that phase too, where it was like, I was sending documentaries and everything else out to my family constantly. And they were just like fed up with it and over it. So I learned the hard way that, you know, you just got to live your lifestyle the way you want to live it. Um, you know, but veganism, there's different levels of veganism. Some people, it's for health, the way I started. I've kind of evolved more into the animal welfare and the environment aspects of it. Um, you have some people that are just for the animals and they don't care about anything else. They don't care about the health aspect. And they just, you know, if there's any kind of animal cruelty in any product, they want to go after you, you know. And, you know, there is... There's two sides to, to the vegan movement. There is the vegan, quote, police who just want to beat on everybody that's not vegan. And then there's people who just want to live a healthy lifestyle. And I just want to live a healthy lifestyle and spread the message just by being an example. And that's what I try to do. I just try to be an example of, you know, living this vegan lifestyle, not try to push it down everybody's throat, just... Um, live my life and show them that you can be strong and be an athlete and really do anything you want on this diet. Okay, well, let's explore a little bit about that. I want to hear a little about that lifestyle that you've got going. Uh, I have mentioned on the program that I am not 100% vegan. It's just not something that I'm able to do, given the fact that my wife and children are not willing to take that <laughs> path. And so uh, it's not something I am able to do at this point. But uh, uh, I want my listeners to get a sense of what your lifestyle is like. Uh, give us a sense of your meals. Um, I'm pretty basic. <laughs> I don't get really elaborate. And I do a lot of routine I know everybody can't live like that, but I pretty much have the same thing for breakfast, which is oatmeal every morning. Um, I throw in flaxseed in the oatmeal and usually put some kind of fruit on it, whether it's banana, strawberry, some kind of mixed berry, whatever. So that's my breakfast every single day. 
And then I'll have a smoothie. I actually make a big Vitamix smoothie every morning. And I'll have that as well in the morning. Um, the Vitamix makes two smoothies. So I have the one in the morning, put one in the fridge. And then later on in the afternoon after my workout, I take the second smoothie. But in my smoothie, I put seeds, nuts, you name it. You know, fruit, vegetables, seeds, nuts. Um, it's a, it's pretty elaborate, I would say, I guess. And it's something that just over time, I just keep adding things into it. Um, ginger, turmeric, whatever, um, you know, and it's kind of varies depending on what I have in the freezer. Um, I use a lot of frozen fruits and vegetables. It's a lot cheaper that way as well. So, um, and then for lunch, it just kind of varies whether it's leftovers from the night before. I do a lot of burritos. I do a lot of wraps. Um, my friends always kind of joke because I don't, eat a lot of salads and that's kind of one of the things when I first went vegan everybody was like well you know you're gonna have to eat a lot of salads but I don't eat salad rarely I'll have maybe two salads a year um, but it's you know I get my vegetables in the burritos or in the wraps or mixed in the smoothies or you know at dinner whatever so um, but that's usually lunch and then I snack kind of all day long on nuts and seeds um, fruit and then for dinner is usually either we do a lot of stews some soups a lot of chilies um, again the burritos and a lot of a lot of bean and lentil based uh, foods, a lot of I'm beans guessing. a lot yeah. of lentils a lot of seeds a lot of nuts mm. a lot of avocado <laughs> yeah. yeah you know that's another thing people always you know ask me well if that means you don't eat a lot of fat do you but I mean, I eat a ton of fat between all the seeds and nuts and avocados I eat every day. Right. I get a lot of fat in my diet. Now, as an endurance athlete, have you had to make any alterations to your diet to ensure a good nutrient balance? No. Um, you know, maybe other than the smoothies, you know, I didn't really do smoothies when I first started. I don't think I got my Vitamix until like three years into being vegan. Um, and then, you know, when I first started, you know, when I first started, um, like I said, I wasn't an athlete prior. So when I first started doing the endurance, um, I would use the protein powders, the plant-based protein powders, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what I, what I knew from previous life, you know? Um, so I would just, you know, use the protein powders, but I rarely use a protein powder anymore. I just go with the whole food plant-based, you know, mm -hmm. smoothies or, like you said, a lot of beans, a lot of nuts, mm -hmm. a lot of seeds. So, and what about eating out? Do you eat out very often, or you're, you know, is that? Uh, I know from my personal experience, it's not hard to find vegan restaurants of extremely high quality. I'm just curious if that's something that you do. I don't eat out very often. Okay. <laughs> no, we don't. So most of my meals come from home. So it's yeah. Mostly home, home cooked meals. You know, whole foods, plant based. Yeah. And are your friends? Uh, it sounds like your family aren't, but are your friends vegan? I mean, what happens when you get invited for dinner? Is that problematic? No, um, my wife's vegan. My family, though they're not vegan, they're very receptive to it. 
they're open to try anything that I bring. So usually, you know, especially the holidays are coming up. We always try to make our own meal, not just for us, but to share with everybody else. So, and everybody's always had positive um, feedback on the food. So, but yeah, it's never really been an issue. Mm-hmm. And do you travel very much? And if so, is travel difficult? I don't travel much, but travel is kind of difficult. Um, you know, for me, since I'm, I try to keep it mostly whole food plant based. Um, there is a lot of options out there nowadays, especially in 2019. Um, you know, you can get plant based burgers at, you know, fast food joints nowadays. But um, so it is, if you want to maintain a whole food plant based, it is a little more difficult. You know, you can you can find stuff at some natural markets. Um, you know, you can put some burritos together really simply, just getting some beans and stuff at the grocery store. Um, but it's not going to be something really elaborate when you're traveling. You just got to, you know, accept what you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for all my races, we typically drive because I always want to have a kitchen and I always take – food with me um, that I can prepare. So, you know, that's the way I work it. Right. What advice do you have for athletes who may be thinking of becoming progressively more vegetarian and maybe even taking the leap to veganism? Uh, What would you say to someone who came to you and said, Hey, how do I do this? And, and how do I make sure that I can maintain my fitness and, you know, stay as a high level athlete while taking on a plant-based diet? Um, I think the biggest thing is the calories because there's a big difference between the calories in animal-based product and plant-based product. So I think that's where a lot of people go wrong and start to struggle and get tired or have fatigue because they're just not eating enough calories. They just, you know, they eliminate the meat or whatever. They don't replace it with beans and nuts and seeds or whatever. They just, you know, so I think the biggest thing is the calories. If, as long as you're maintaining your calories, you're going to you're going to be fine because you're going to hit all your nutrients, you're going to hit your protein, you're going to hit you know your fiber, your iron, your calcium, everything that everybody's worried about. As long as you're eating a variety of fruits and vegetables, getting getting the calories you need, you're going to get everything that you need. It's really not complicated. Everybody wants to make it complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, uh, like you said, there's a whole industry out there trying to make sure that it seems complicated and uh, very radical. So you could see why. Um, so clearly, you are an example of how a plant based diet can work. Um, you are an example of how it's not that difficult and how it can lead to not only health, but success in athletic endeavors. Uh, you are obviously carrying that forward with your vegan powered athlete uh, company. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, vegan powered athlete. I started just because I wanted to spread the message, I guess, um, in a way that wasn't, you know, in your face. I just wanted to wear some jerseys and stuff that, you know, said vegan on it or whatever. 
Um, so that's kind of how it started. Um, my first product was just a hat um, and then just kind of expanded from there to T-shirts and bike jerseys and triathlon kits and everything else. Um, and, you know, I have blogs on there. And then this year I've evolved into the coaching. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, it just started just kind of like, you know, I was proud of being vegan and that I was able to be an athlete. And I just wanted to kind of spread the message that way without getting into people's faces and, you know, being too aggressive. If you haven't seen Daniel's Instagram feed, uh, this next question may not uh, resonate just yet, but you'll have to check it out. But Daniel, tell us, what's with the beard? <laughs> so the beard actually came about at the same time as this all started as my, I, you know, after my mom passed away and I went to the doctor and he said, you know, you need to change your ways. Um, the beard, I just, I just started letting it grow out at that time. Just kind of as a reminder, when I looked at myself in the mirror that I was on a new journey at that point. Um, so it started and I just, I just always said I'd trim it or cut it when it annoyed me and it just never has annoyed me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's awesome and it's very distinctive and it yeah. uh, will definitely help make you noticeable when you're out there on the course. Yeah, it's so much fun on the course because everybody loves it. So, and I get, I mean, even, even when I'm not in a race, I'm just running around the neighborhood or down at the beach or whatever. I always get, you know, run for us, run. That's right. <laughs> from, from a distance. And it's like, yeah. So I get hollered at all the time, whether I'm in a race or not. So it's fun. I would imagine it's a great way to store nutrition as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, yeah. I finished races before and you know, my wife's like, you got gel all over your beard. I'm like, oops. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Daniel Wrenches is a plant-based athlete who's completed uh, more than 50 endurance events. He's a uh, Ironman certified coach, a certified vegan lifestyle coach. He is the uh, vegan-powered athlete. I will have links to all of his social media feeds in the show notes. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me and talking about your experience as a vegan athlete and uh, triathlete here on the TriDoc Podcast. Absolutely, Jeff. Thanks for doing this whole series. It's great. Appreciate it. It's time now for Reels for Wheels, that part of the show when multiple Ironman finisher, emergency physician, and toxicologist Janetta Iwanaki joins me to talk about movies to make your trainer rides fly by. Welcome once again, Janetta. Thanks for having me back. So we have covered a couple of series recently. We had John Wick, and then we talked about The Matrix. Well, today we're going to go our separate ways and discuss films that aren't related. So what have you got for us this time? So uh, today I'll be talking a little bit about a really fantastic martial arts film um, from 2002 called Hero. Um, this is a martial arts film um, originally made in... Uh, China. Um, director is uh, Yimu Zhang, who is the same director who uh, made uh, House of Flying Daggers, if that sounds familiar. Um, I know in the past I've said really that you don't want movies that you have to pay too much attention to, and I will admit this film does involve subtitles. However, you probably don't even really need to read the subtitles for it to make sense. Um, it's got a phenomenal cast, including um, Jet Li. It's also got Zhang Ziyi, who is um, in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right, right. Um, Maggie Chung is in it. Um, and really phenomenal martial artists. 
Um, the way the film is built is really sort of interesting and part of what makes it unique. Um, so the film is all about um, sort of the confluence of love, jealousy, uh, political power, um, and sort of how all these three things fit together uh, in an ancient kingdom in China. And one of the ways this film is pretty unique is in the way it tells its story. So it tells the same story from several different perspectives. And you're never really quite sure which of these is true, sort of similar to something like um, Kurosawa's Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what makes this really interesting is just the really stunning visual palette that they use to tell these stories. So we talked a little bit when we talked about The Matrix of the use of different colors um, in the storytelling there and how that gave you different um, views and different themes. Hero does the same thing but in the setting of this really just gorgeous cinematography, amazing martial arts work, um, and also these colored themes that go along with different storytelling. And you always are left trying to figure out and wondering what exactly is the truth that's hidden underneath everything else. Um, For me, though, it's just such a visually enveloping world that the action um, and the colors and the cinematography really just pull you in and really keep you going as you go along. Um, It's one of those films that you can think about as much or as little as you want to, which is part of why I really love it. Yeah. And um, is it set in a remote past? Is it uh, more of a modern day fable? Um, So it's set um, in the Qin Empire, which um, so quite quite distant past, but um, gets you sort of, uh, it feels almost like a fable in some ways. Right. And does it uh, follow the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sort of themes with like sort of this magical, mystical thing, or is it more straightforward? So it sort of walks the middle ground between those two worlds. So it's a little bit less um, sort of magical realism um, than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon has. Um, It does have some pretty spectacular stunts um, that leave you wondering if there could be some magic there, but not quite to the level of flying um, or anything quite like that. Yeah. And I, I usually like to insert a clip uh, from the film, but of course, because it's a Chinese language film, I probably won't do that <laughs> for this uh, for this movie. Uh, is hero spelled with an E or an I? Uh, H-E-R-O. Okay, so it is literally a translation to the Correct. English word hero. Yes. And uh, I, I won't uh, ask for any spoilers, but uh, may I presume that the hero refers to one of the characters in the story? Maybe. Maybe, okay. Depends on which version you believe. Okay, interesting. So yeah, that sounds really fascinating. And uh, you'd recommend this for what kinds of trainer rides? So I love this for um, things with longer intervals, particularly sweet spots. Um, The action is not as intense as some of the other films that we've been talking about, but it's steady and goes along, um, pulls you with it. Um, So I would say intervals that are in that 8 to 15 minute range, it's kind of perfect for. Okay. Uh, I have seen that movie uh, show up on, I believe, Amazon Prime. Uh, It's possible it showed up on uh, my Netflix uh, as well, but I've definitely seen it on some Mm -hmm. of the streaming services, so uh, I'll definitely give it a look-see for sure. Yeah, certainly worth checking out. Yeah. So in the past, I have referred numerous times to the fact that I don't love watching superhero movies, that I don't like watching comic books adapted into movies, and yet I have uh, repeatedly suggested movies that 
pull from exactly that material. And here I am once again bringing you another superhero movie. Uh, this time, though, this is an eclectic one. Uh, it's Thor Rangarok. And the reason that I have chosen this one after watching several of the other ones that I just could not recommend uh, is because of the director, Taika Waititi, who has uh, directed just some other tremendous movies, uh, one of which I highly recommend, uh, not for the trainer, uh, because it's not really one that would keep you motivated on the trainer, but uh, if you ever get a chance to see What We Do in the Shadows, which is a mockumentary uh, following a group of vampires in New Zealand. Um, I can't say enough about that film. It's tremendous. But uh, he brings his same style, his same sense of humor, and his same um, really kind of like eclectic view of movie making to uh, the Marvel Universe with Thor Rangarok, which uh, has many of the same characters, Chris Hemsworth and Tim Hed- Tom Hedleston plays uh, Thor's brother, Loki. and um, But there are some new actors and actresses that come into this movie which uh, add to uh, what I think uh, makes it a, a significantly better film. The, the villainess is played by Kate Blanchett, and I mean anything that has Kate Blanchard in it is going to automatically be 10 times better than it would be without her in it. So, um, she really does bring uh, a presence to the screen. Uh, I've always sort of found like the notion of a movie with Thor in it to be somewhat interesting. Like how do you approach a movie where the, you know, going in that the hero can't be killed. He's Mm -hmm. a God after all, he can't be killed. So where is the tension? And uh, I think they do. They've done an interesting job with the stories uh, in the first movie. I guess you know the peril was to his love interest, and in the second movie, the peril is to his world. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, nice job there in creating the tension, but also uh, in playing off of the brother. Uh, animosity, almost the Cain and Abel sort of mm-hmm. fable uh, between his character and the Loki character. And um, with the continuous unexpected humor, and I mean, Chris Hemsworth does such a great job of playing straight with like the lines that he's given that are clearly <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 take it easy, man. Over here. Pile of rocks waving at you. Here. Yeah, I'm actually a thing. I'm a being. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. This is my very good friend over here, Meek. He's an insect and has knives for hands. You're a cronin, aren't you? That I am. How'd you end up in here? Oh, well, I tried to start a revolution, but didn't print enough pamphlets, so hardly anyone turned up, except for my mum and her boyfriend, who I hate. As punishment, I was forced to be in here and become a gladiator. Bit of a promotional disaster, that one. But I'm actually organising another revolution. I don't know if you'd be interested in something like that. Do you reckon you'd be interested? How do you? Ah, yeah, nah, this whole thing is a circle. But not a real circle, more like a freaky circle. This doesn't make any sense. No, nothing makes sense here, man. The only thing that does make sense is that nothing makes sense. Has anyone here fought the Grand Master's champion? Doug has. Doug! Oh, no. Doug's dead. That's right. Everyone who fights the Grand Master's champion perishes. What about you? You're made of rocks. Perishable rock? Okay. Another one. Go on. Yeah, no, I just do the smaller fights, warm up the crowd and whatnot. Wait, wait. You're not going to face him, are you? Yes, I am. going to fight him, win... Get the hell out of this place. That's exactly what Doug used to say. 
See you later, new Doug. His lines that he plays with uh, the Hulk and with uh, Mark Ruffalo when he's not the Hulk are just hilarious. And um, that adds to me, just like makes the movie uh, that much more enjoyable and watchable. There's some great action sequences, as you would expect from a superhero movie, some great uh, special effects and some great turns by by actors like Idris Elba and Carl Urban. And again, I'm always looking for tie-ins of other movies we've talked about. Well, Tessa Thompson is in this one and she, of course, was the love interest in Creed. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, a very valiant uh, Valkyrie uh, yeah, warrior. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Her, her character turn in this is also more hilarious than you might expect it to be. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite good. And, you know, speaking of great action sequences, I still love one of the, the very first action sequence in it is set to Led Zeppelin, um, Immigrant Song, which is just beautifully done and it's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I haven't watched all of the Marvel movies. Uh, I do know that as the movies progressed sort of further along they did tie together much more. And um, this one leads directly into the Avengers uh, Infinity War. Right, I'm getting that one right. Um, And I did see the Avengers Infinity War. And um, while it's not one of my recommendations for for trainer movies, it, it definitely could be because that one actually is another one that was a good uh, superhero movie, but it just uh, it follows directly off the end of this one. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, this movie, Thor Rangarok, uh, because of uh, the writing, because of the director, and because of uh, some of the, the turns by the actors in the movie is one that I definitely recommend for trainer rides. It's not one that would necessarily sustain you through anything high intensity, but like you said for years earlier, something that had, uh, you know, longer sort of steady state intervals or things like that, this movie is very appropriate. All right, so we've got two movies for you. I'm going to update the uh, archive on the uh, website of both uh, the TriDoc Podcast and TriDoc Coaching, and they will both be on there on the list. Uh, Janetta, thanks as always for joining me today on Reels for Wheels, and we'll look forward to your next recommendation on the next episode. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. And that's it for another episode of the TriDoc Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I also hope that you'll consider leaving a rating and a review wherever you find the program as that can really help get the word out. Links to the medical references as well as to everything else discussed on the show can be found in the show notes at www.tridocpodcast.podbean.com. If you're interested in coaching services, please visit www.tridoccoaching.com where you can find a lot of information about me and the services that I provide. The music heard at the beginning and the end of the show is Radio by Empty Hours and is used with permission. This song and many others like it can be found at www.reverbnation.com where I hope that you'll visit and give small independent bands a chance. On the next episode of the TriDoc Podcast, I will continue my series into some of the issues raised by the Netflix documentary The Game Changers. For the fourth episode in the series, I will speak with another nutritionist, but this time to one that has a very different attitude towards plant-based eating for athletes. Casey Poe Campbell is a licensed nutritional therapist in Denver, and she believes strongly that a healthy diet is one that includes animal products. I will speak with her and get her take on the film and more. I will, of course, have a medical question to answer and another episode of Reels for Wheels. Until then, train hard, train healthy.